episode 83 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about Century Spice Road. Sort of. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam, Aaron, and I talk about what games are liked by the fans of Century Spice Road, according to the information found on BoardGameGeek. We're finding that not many people like games on BoardGameGeek, so while this feels somewhat accurate, it's not exactly scientific. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Aaron, Adam, and myself talking about the games that fans of Century Spice Road also like. Being a part of a Southern Bells ensemble, being affiliated with Katana and Mortal Kombat's fighting style, things that fans also like. Okay. Yes. I was going to jump in and guess. I was trying to figure out how it had anything to do with Century Spice Road. And it didn't. And that's why it was very hard. I knew what you were on about, but I was waiting for you to put a pause in there. There it is. The pause. Well, (laughs) things things the fans like. Yes. Anyways, is what we're doing. We had our first episode of the fans also like series. We'll see how it goes. Where we went from game to game using the Board Game Geek website. You can look up any board game. In fact, it's one of the best ways to find out information about a board game. When you scroll down on that page, tons of information. Among that is a section called Fans Also Like, where you'll see other games listed. Depending on the popularity of the game, kind of depends on how many games you'll see listed. But it will be suggestions. People who have board game week accounts who have liked this game have also liked, insert game name here. For Century Spice Road, there are 695 likes on it. So really, when you consider all the people that use BoardGameGeek, not a lot of people using this feature. That's okay. There's still plenty of games to talk about for fans also like. However, we're going to start by talking about Century Spice Road. Aaron, this is your kind of your jam, so... Century Spice Road is my thing. So which of the centuries is this one? Because I get them confused. This is original normal century. So oh, this have... is the one with the cards and the coins. Yes. Yeah, we, yes. we have Century Gollum Edition, right. but Century Spice Road is the first of a trilogy of games. It's History, Century Spice Road and Eastern Mountains and Endless Wonder, I think are the names of the regular ones. I'm I actually, I'm, I'm losing confidence as I continue. There are Gollum editions of all three of those games too. They're the same, except the art's different. And instead of being wooden cubes, you get these like acrylic plastic see-through gems as the resource. And honestly, that's all I needed to pick Gollum over the regular one. But gameplay's the same. So yeah, Century Spice Road, you can go ahead and describe Century Gollum. Oh, I mean, it's it's a delightful engine builder uh, where you are drafting cards that will allow you to transform resources up and down between more valuable colors and less valuable colors. And you turn those in for uh, cards. It's worth noting there's two kinds of cards. There's cards that you get into your hand that do sometimes have a transformation of resources or just you get a resource. And then there are cards that score points. Right. That have a number of that resource listed on them and you kind of turn those in to get the card. And like the points, it's I think it's as low as maybe like six or seven up to like I think there's 20. a five. Anyways, big spread on how many of the resources you turn in and then what you might get. And I think the game is just over once someone gets a set number of cards. But with those different amounts, 
maybe someone got a whole bunch of low value cards, someone else just got a few cards, really high value, and it's still kind of hard to tell who might win until you add them all up. And there's some additional points based on where you the card is on this track. You can get coins that um, basically help to incentivize cards that are not being taken for a long mm-hmm. period of time on that. So that kind of helps. Yeah, I think there's always like a – every time we play, it feels like someone someone races for six short cards and then someone else is trying to, to get the big expensive cards. And it's, it's a pretty fun dynamic. Century Spice Road is – pretty popular it's rated 7.3 overall i recently noticed that like nothing's really above a seven uh overall on board game geek and that's a separate problem but the rank overall for this game is 289 out of the uh, i think tens of thousands of games on board game geek and then family it's rated 58 so i think that family doesn't always mean that it's like easier or especially like only for kids i think it has a lot more to do with kind of a diversity of interest and how approachable it is the rules are just on one sheet so that's you know not a lot of overhead there i think anytime a game can be incredibly complex and thought-provoking as a game like century spice road and the rules fit on one sheet like that's like the definition of a great game for me yeah, you you rather have you would rather have games that are easy to learn, hard to master. You spend a lot of time with chess, so that checks out. This is designed by Emerson Matsuchi. The artists aren't people I'm familiar with, and then of course we do the Gollum edition, which I think has different artists. But this is David Richards and Fernanda Suarez for the regular Century Spice Road edition, and it's published by Plan B Games. I kind of think they've maybe gotten bought out and reestablished it's a game that i believe remains in print and is somewhat easy to find and a good pickup honestly we did a episode about games at target i could see century spice road being at target as far as like quality of components ease of gameplay all this kind of stuff there's a watch it played and a game night for it uh watch it played is really an independent website that always does rules videos well they do other things now but they definitely got their start doing rules videos And Game Night is Board Game Geek's own kind of YouTube channel. They will go through the rules and then you can watch them play the entire game, which can be really good for understanding like little clarifications and just seeing what it really looks like and what turn by turn kind of happens. Some mechanisms, action retrieval, contracts, deck bag and pool, building, hand management, increased value of unchosen resources, which is what uh, Adam was referencing before and a uh, card game economic medieval i mean i i guess i, mean, I don't feel like the theme plastic gyms. well not even this one isn't plastic gyms because this is spice road so this is cubes oh, right. but i feel like the theme in this one like the art is nice but it's not really interacting with what you're doing at all i think it kind of talks about bartering like in a sense because you kind of go up and down across resources so that's you know sort of interesting so now in the fans also like section, we have Splendor, which we talked about before, Azul, Jaipur, Emotep, Baron Park, and Patchwork. Now there's actually 28 options in this fan al- fans also like section, but we're just staying with the top six until we kind of have to start digging deeper. Now, which one should we click on over to, do you think? We've done Splendor. We talked about Patchwork. Yeah. We've referenced Jaipur. Is Emotep, is this a first time showing from Emotep? I don't think we've seen it before, have we? Well, you know what? Let's dive on in, because that is one that we've all played. At some point, we'll probably get into ones that we haven't all played. There's a two 
player version of this. Yeah, Emotep the Duel, which I kind of am interested in trying because I think that would get more play. But this is a very interesting game. It's by Phil Walker Harding. Artist is Miguel Coimbra and Michaela. I'm going to say Keenley. And published by Cosmos. It's two to four players. The community on Board Game Geek says that it's best at four. That's usually a opinion you can get there at the top of the overview page. And we definitely felt like at two, it was good, not great. And I think the existence of a dual version kind of reinforces that. So in Emotep, you are gather, oh, you gather, ship, and lay stones to build the most magnificent monuments in Egypt. I remember playing this with you, Kelly, two players. Mm -hmm. And I remember placing my stones on the very, because there's like very, it's worker placement, right? Basically, there's a few different areas where you can place something and you get an effect from it. Yeah, it's it's a little weirder than worker placement because you are kind of getting stones from a shipyard or from a stone yard and you're putting them on a ship and then you're deciding... You kind of put them on a ship till the ship is full, I think. And then you That's right. like decide where the ship goes. Or you can decide to move the ship to a location before it's full. And then the way that each one of those locations is a different manner in which your stones are like used and then therefore valued. And they come off the boat in a certain order. So it's for it being just some basic blocky cubes and not a lot else. It gets uh, hard. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in it. There's also like a mechanic where you can, instead of like shipping the cubes, you can like store them up in like, a, I think it's a temple or something like that, where you like commit them long term and then you get points for having more of those than anybody else. Yeah. And each of the different, is it that the number, I think the boats change. So the number of cubes that's going to be able to go on a boat, there's going to be five or so boats in a round that changes too and then that of course will impact how many basically actions more or less workers but not in that very literal i took my worker here i got this action i collected my worker back at the end it's not like that once your cube's there it's just there till the end of the game i agree two players i think it suffered a bit but i think there's a lot in it if you want a small brain teaser yeah we played on board game arena and i each one of the locations just kind of works works differently. And it is not, that's I think one of the harder things to keep up with in this game is uh, covering your bases. So the rank overall on this one is 476. It has a 7.2. Again, it's a weird kind of averaging thing that happens where a lot of things just end up at a seven. Family ranking on this one is 106. And it says that the weight, this is another stat available on Board Game Geek. They do it out of five. Just like the uh, out of 10 rating for the game overall, the out of five rating basically never goes over four. So it's a little, that's also a little tricky to kind of get used to. So this is weighted a 2.01 out of five. I disagree. I think it is exactly one hundredth more. 2.02 is where I would put it. Oh, okay. Good. Um, and this one also has a watch it played video, a game night playthrough video. So you can watch the entire game played and someone can teach you the rules from it. And it's on board game arena. So you can play it probably for free, um, like right now, technically, while you listen. Um, so in Emotep, the players become builders in Egypt who want to emulate the first and best known architect there, namely Emotep. 
So there's six rounds. And yes, you try to create five seminal monuments. And you choose an action to either produce new stones, load stones on a boat, bring a boat to a monument, or play an action card. So the mechanisms are area majority, in-game bonuses, modular board, set collection, and worker placement. So how did this connect to Century Spice Road, do we think? Like, what's the thread there? A little bit, you kind of have an older, ancient theme. You are kind of, like, moving these resources around. But I think maybe the way that it is similar beyond that is how you can approach the game. Like, the fact that it is, as Aaron was saying, it's easy to learn. Like, there's not necessarily that much going on. But the strategic depth there could allow you to really have something to crunch on if you so chose. Interesting. Okay. That's a good pickup on that. So quick to learn, hard to master. Oh, and it says that it's on, yeah, both Board Game Arena and Yukata, which I haven't played anything on there, but I think there's quite, quite a few things. Now, moving on down to fans also like, of course, Century Spice Road. That's where we came from. Targi. I don't know that we've talked about that one. That's not one that I've played. Uh, I don't think Same. Aaron has either. No. And then Azul, Jaipur, Baron Park, and Splendor. So we are in these top ones. We're going to have to probably start digging a little deeper into the additional options. We're starting to see a lot of the same things. But I agree that, like, if you walked into someone's house and they had kind of these six or ten games, it would be sort of like, that makes sense. There's kind of, yeah. there is common things about those and they're just generally popular too. So which one do we want to jump to next? Both Targi and Jaipur are two player only games. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've not played Targi. We've all played Jaipur. So if we're going to talk about it. Boom, we're doing it. This one has a lot of fans, a thousand. Oh, really? 1,500. Way more people than that are on Board Game Geek. I know this is not a uh, feature that I've been using either, and I'll have to make sure to like these games as we kind of go through them. I think it's interesting that the weight here is so low. 1.47. Again, the full ranking, like the, I feel like most games are weighted from one to four. So you're kind of going on a much smaller scale. And then sensibly, there's kind of two halves to that of right. not crazy complex, like, and things that are approachable, like things that are approachable and then things that are definitely not approachable. Well, I, I think it's not like the heaviest card counter game, but you are like, there is card counting, which I think for me increases the complexity. Card counting. I've played not. so many times and not counted cards. No, so. I'm not. So in Jaipur, you trade and sell goods to become the most wealthy merchant in this short game for two, but you do play multiple rounds. And I will say this is on Board Game Arena. And if you play it async, it is not short because you, it's a short game when you're in person because every turn is quick. But when you're playing async, that is a high number of turns. And it probably doesn't matter that what you're doing only takes a couple seconds. The whole fact is it's going to take a couple seconds and then the person's going to come back to Board Game Arena, take their turn. And then you're going to come back to Board Game Arena, take your turn. And it actually is quite long. One of the things that I think is interesting is that really big heavy games can be faster seemingly async on board game arena because all that time thinky part you just don't have to be around for you just come back when it's your turn so this is surprisingly long digital very fast in person but yeah you do play multiple rounds it's ranked 159 overall which is quite high and then family 27 so 
very <laughs> well ranked game. And then it's a 7.5. Again, it's that high on the list and then still just a 7.5. You would think that would have it at a nine, um, but that's uh, how things go around here. So the general concept, I mean, it's just a somewhat standard set collection game where you have more common uh, gems and you have more rare gems. The rare ones will yield you more points, uh, The of course, but they are occurring less frequently. As cards are coming out, you're trying to draft these cards, basically. There's also camels in the mix. The camels are placeholders where, I forget how many cards you can have in your hand, but Seven. Uh, there's a limit to that point, so then you have to trade with uh, this common pool of yeah. camels slash gems or items uh, in order to trade those in for point value coins. Right. They say it's a blend of tactics, risk, and luck. You can either take or sell cards. If you take them, you can take all the camels, and the camels never really go into your hand. They just sit in front of you. Um, you can take one card from the market. So your hand is under seven cards. You pick up one card. That Now that's your card. Or you can swap two to five cards between the market and your cards. So that's where you can use the camels as supplements. And because it's set collection, you might have two of something in your hand, one of something else, and uh, two more of that something else come out. And now you're like, I'd rather have three of one thing. So you can kind of do that. But what is, um, it's a two player only game. If you do that on your turn, you have to then wait to sell those things till your next turn. And when you sell, you get these extra tokens that have the number values on them, like Adam was talking about. Well, if the other person sells before you, they're going to take the more valuable tokens. And now that thing that you worked for is still fine, but it's not worth as much. And you might decide once again, oh, they've taken that token. I'm going to I'm gonna swap cards again and try to go for something else. Or you just say, well, that's fine. I'm still going to take these few tokens. If you sell three or more cards at once, you get another bonus token with a secret value on it, which just gets you more. And at the end, you just add up the value of all your tokens. There's not like, there's it's it's just for victory points. There's nothing else kind of happening there. You do best two out of three. And the camels themselves, if you have the most camels at the end of the round or at the end of one hand, one game, you get five points for that. Even though they're just there to kind of swap things out, you might decide to sort of hold on to all the camels, both the five points, and to make it harder for your opponent to be able to have the flexibility to get things done. So yeah, the mechanisms are hand management, hidden victory points, market, open drafting, score and reset game, and set collection. Yeah. Seems accurate. I like about it that it, by definition of the scoring, rubber bands, like you can get beat by 30 in the first round and just win the next two mm. rounds and you win. And I think that's kind of a fun, right. in a it's game that has cumulative. so much luck, you don't get crushed for having a bad run because you just get the reset. Right. And if you kind of know that, it's all right if things kind of tank because- there are cards that are more valuable than other cards. And just the way the deck's set up, you, through no fault of your own, you might keep taking a card and then boom, they get a gold that comes out and they take the gold. And that just happens four times in a row. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no amount of strategy that then can predict that or kind of turn it around because getting all the gold cards would just get you so many points. It's unlikely to happen, but it still does. So yeah, yeah. being able to not have cumulative points that would make the game worse <laughs> i think especially that it's two player only i think i think that would be too much of an imbalance really good app as well on this 
the yeah the app is good and for the other ones there was uh there is a watch it played instructional video show you how to play surprisingly there's not a game night for it they started doing game night date night which was just like two player games just two people playing a game a lot of times game night uh has four people on it so i'm a little surprised they haven't done a game night date <coughs> night for this one but yeah there is still the watch it played instructional video and it has been around long enough that there are more than enough opportunities to see this game being played. It came out in 2009. And even on Board Game Arena, it can be a little tricky to get to and find, but you can watch games in progress. So if you think, oh, I might want to play that, but I don't quite get it. And uh, games that have already happened, I believe you can watch them from the perspective of a certain player. So you can actually see the cards they had and the choices they were making. So yeah, you can both watch it live, which can be kind of like, you know, it's not, uh, it's obviously not like seeing the people play it, but you can kind of watch a playthrough of a game on Board Game Arena anytime. And then, yeah, you can usually, it can be, again, it's weird to find, but you can find a way to watch an old game from someone's perspective. That's cool. So now I am not surprised to see, in the fans also like section, I am not surprised to see Lost Cities because I think they're is a lot of very similar things happening. It's another two-player game, another game where you're kind of managing your hand of cards, playing things out. Otherwise, we have some of the same things we've been seeing. Azul, Patchwork, King Domino, Century Spice Road, where we came from originally on this one, and Splendor. So we're going to go Lost Cities? And to keep it going with the comparison of how do the three go together now? Spice Road, Imhotep, and Jaipur? It is still kind of like a, it's the past and we're trading things situation. Yes. And I'm not a geography expert, but it seems somewhat regional, correct? Like we're in the same. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, not here. It's definitely not taking place here, but I am pretty horrible at both geography and history. So I'm going to roll right into Lost Cities, uh, for embarrassing myself with my lack of knowledge. Know a lot about the board games though. Lost Cities is from 1999. So this might be huh. one of the older games that we end up seeing today. Reiner Knizia has been at it for a while. Yeah, he's very good at his job. And actually, the artist for this, Vincent Dutrait, as well as Michaela... I would say Keenle. I would say, let's say Keenel this time, because I don't, actually really don't know. <laughs> Michaela Keenel, Anke Pohl, Thilo Rick, and two more. This is published by Cosmos as well, but for just a half second... I'm going to go back to Jaipur because I don't think we mentioned who the designer, it's not someone I'm familiar with, Sebastian Pachon, but the artist is also Vincent Dutrait. Vincent Dutrait does a lot of board game art. He has a uh, spe- a recognizable specific style, and I would say he's only gotten more popular over time. Also, another artist on Jaipur was Alexander Roche? I would just say Alexander there, even though it's spelled with the D-R-E at the end. Alexander Roche. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the publisher, Space Cowboys, is the one that I know for Jaipur. They're listing some other ones from other countries. So just to make sure that we hit that before we continue talking about Lost Cities. Now, it... Jaipur, nowhere near Egypt, by the way, if, for my previous... Are they is in the same India? parts? India? Jaipur is in India. I believe that Emotep is Egypt, correct? That's, Egypt. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Emotep so is Egypt. This Google map is telling me they are pretty far away from each other so just to clarify the right. little just a little geography lesson all right we're good lost cities yeah uh which we don't 
frankly know where it is. You are going out on expeditions, but will your findings outweigh the cost of each adventure? So in a sense, this feels more present day, maybe not all the way to the present, but that you're just going back to the Spice Road, perhaps, perhaps Emotep, perhaps Jaipur, and trying to like do Indiana Jonesy expeditions to findings. That's like kind of the story. Now, it is just a card game. Um, and I say just because for all that story about setting out on expeditions, what you actually have is a kind of middle line between you. Uh, is it a battle line game or a East-West style game? Not, I guess, yeah, kind of, because you end yeah, up mostly. you end up uh, having these five or so spots where you can lay cards um, on either side. And then you are trying to win uh, kind of each one of those matchups. And the weird thing about this game is you have to, it's not weird, it happens in some other games, but you play a card, then draw a card instead of drawing a card at the start of your turn. And you're trying to lay out these different suits of cards, they're different colors. You're trying to lay them out in uh, number order, right? You, you have to put them out in number order. There's also these like handshake cards that double your investment. But the idea is that if you put down a color, that is you investing to go on an expedition of that color, probably to that location, but of that color. So you go negative when you just start putting down a card. And then you're trying to play enough cards to go positive. So for those handshake cards, you can end up increasing your negative points until you get across that threshold where you're then doubling your positive points. There's also a thing where you can discard into that middle line in between you and draw cards from that middle line instead of drawing cards from the deck. And when the, I think when the deck is gone, that round of the game is over. It's similar to Jaipur in that you're playing uh, multiple rounds. I don't remember if your score is cumulative. It might be, I am not sure. But that changes the length of the game if you are drawing from the middle versus drawing from the deck, you can kind of be trying to speed it up or slow it down depending on what you have going on and what's in your hand. And because it runs out when the deck is empty, not when your hand is empty, there's just cards you're not going to play. So as it goes on, it's sort of like, there's five cards in my hand I need to play. It doesn't matter what I pick up. Every turn, I need to put down one of these cards just to try to get out of debt. Mm, right. So yeah, it's a... it ends up being a little bigger. I feel like they can make a mini version of this game because just the cards as you lay them out across the table, it can get a little bigger than you might think. But yeah, nice small box two-player game. It's ranked 329 overall and 72 for family. Um, 7.2 overall rating. Again, it's a two-player only game, so it's it's best at two. I think I've played this once, maybe twice. So mm. I don't have a deep knowledge pool of it, but I remember being fun. It's exactly as you described it. Yeah, I will say that uh, the current edition, the cards, I had no idea until I saw someone do this on Board Game Geek, like lay out all the cards. They are making one large panorama. That's way better than what we have. That is what we had. That's awesome, and I never noticed it. I had no idea, because the art looks, it's sometimes almost like confusingly empty, because you have a card that just kind of doesn't seem to have much on it. But when you lay them out in number order, they make these, uh like, one Panoramas. color, yeah, monochrome panoramic card. So honestly, I'm just nice. looking at the stupid numbers. I was never gonna see that. I I know you are. I know you are. You're not here for the theme or the setting. Um, There's some games where I like the theme. 
okay, maybe that will be the next game that we pick. So Cosmos apparently has a whole series of two player games where if you visit the Lost Cities page on Board Game Geek in the description, you can click through to see that whole series. The mechanisms are hand management, push your luck, score and reset game. So you do reset it, it seems. And then set collection. This one is on uh, Board Game Arena as well. There was not a I'd say play. somewhat surprisingly, but like he's done like 500 videos. There's not a watch it play for this or a game night. So they have an in focus video um, on the banner where you just kind of get told about the game a little bit. But again, it's an older game. There are more than enough videos that you could find if you want to play it out. And same thing since it's on BGA, you could watch people play it. Now we're getting a couple different games and our fan also likes section for the last game that we're going to pick for this episode. And then from this one, we'll pick a game to start the next episode with. So we have Splendor, which we talked about. Jaipur, sure. You know all about it. We also have For Sale, No Thanks, Ink and Gold, and Coloretto. And I think, have you guys played any of those? I mean, Splendor. No. No, I mean, the, uh, yeah, the of the ones we haven't talked about. No. Uh, no. Now, I have played... For sale, oh, and maybe no thanks. I know there's a shut up and sit down video about no thanks that Tom does. Coloretto and Ink and Gold, I've heard of before. I believe they're pretty well liked. I have not played them though. For sale. Has the most likes. I think we should talk about that one and kind of stay in this top six because I think you would both really like it. It is on Board Game Arena, oh. so we should give it a try. Yeah. There's another re-implementation of it called uh, For Sale Autorama, and it's just with cards. The rank overall on this one is 321, 64 for family. Uh, this is 1997, so we did actually get a little bit older. What's your bid? Bid on promising property bundles, then sell properties for checks. Ooh, I like bidding. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, it's honestly surprising we haven't played it. Now it's three to six players. They say it's best at five. The weight very low. It can be, I think, pretty random. Maybe that's why we don't have any kind of video banners for this. Not an in focus, not a watch it played, not a game night. I think this is definitely one they should do on game night. And I'm going to go through the description to make sure I don't get it wrong. For sale is a quick, fun game, nominally about buying and selling real estate. During the game's two distinct phases, players first bid for several buildings. Then, after all the buildings have been bought, sell the buildings for the greatest profit possible. Um, there were slightly different rules in the older ones than the new ones. And then there's been lots of different editions of the game. I honestly was hoping the description would be a little bit more because I think that I don't feel like offhand, I remember the rules well enough to attempt to restate them here, but the cards have values on them up to maybe like 30 and 30, the picture on it is a space shuttle. So like really going all out and on two it's like a shack over shark infested waters that's a niner oh that's a nine. Oh yeah that is a nine so the two is an outhouse an outhouse i was gonna say an outhouse and then i saw the nine and i thought okay maybe i'm wrong yeah the two is an outhouse so very wide representation of the different properties and i'm trying to remember your when this idea of gathering them up and then trying to get rid of them like i I wish I could speak more strongly to it. However, try it out on Board Game Arena. We're going to try it out on Board Game Arena as well. 
it's a fun little game and it's very small you just have like little tokens little money tokens and then the cards themselves and the two phases i think is what makes the game bidding part of the game interesting because i think you're trying to buy up these expensive properties and then trying to then turn around and sell them and end up with the most money it, it had little checks that look like that other real estate game that we play where you stack the, the estates yeah yeah i don't I don't know that there's a lot in common with the two of them. Do you think the fans that like this will like the estates? Well, yeah, we will see. There is a um, very old video of Tom Vassell, because he's been at this for a while, uh, talking about this game 14 years ago. So just take a minute and think about what were you doing 14 years ago? Moving on to the fans also like section. No thanks. Lost Cities, Splendor, Jaipur. We've all talked about those. And then Ink and Gold, Colorado. They're kind of really circling us in here. Is the is the question we're asking, which of Ink and Gold and Colorado do we want to try to play before the next episode? Well, No Thanks is also here. And I do think that we're going to play, um, I do think we're going to play For Sale before then. Yeah. Yeah. Are any of those on Board Game Arena also? Can we? Oh, let's check. The first one that's on Board Game Arena is getting picked. Depends on which tab we go to first. Who has the upper hand? It's going to be Ink and Gold. Is Ink and Gold in it? Yeah, it's on Board Game Arena. Job done. Ink and Gold. Okay. So in Ink, oh, it's three to eight players. How deep into a dangerous mine dare you explore before leaving with your riches? Oh. Diamant. I think that. uh, I think we played this. I think we have played this. Or, or that's like a lot of other games. Yeah. No, I think we played this. I think we played Diamant, which is yeah. apparently the same thing. Yes. Oh. On Board Game Arena. Adam, do you remember that? Or not Board Game I Arena. I do remember this. On uh, Tabletop Simulator. Uh, oh, this does I remember familiar. playing it. Because I think, is this the one that Aaron hated? Because yeah. Why are there playing like, cards? Like, and there's no, like, no, hold, on, there hold on, hold on, hold on. We're looking at images on Board Game Geek, and sometimes there's just other things in there for other reasons. This is what we played, where there's square cards. I don't remember. There's different numbered paths. There's gems that you discover, and it's like a push your luck thing where you can right go, go further in the canyon until there's like a monster or a firewall right, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lightweight game because I think it's pretty random. We had a party game type of thing that was pretty similar to this it doesn't feel totally unlike escape now that's time-based uh escape curse of the temple it doesn't feel totally unlike that though we're trying to kind of get down a path get a thing and try to get out so that will be what we talk about next time and we'll probably talk just a touch about for sale next time since we'll all play it Thank you so much for listening to episode 83. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. This was almost a lost episode, but we decided to give it a release anyways. We can't tell how much depth is really here, so the next episode in this series may be the last. But we're certainly going to keep doing board game of the month reviews, and that's what the next episode will be. We'll be talking about the month of November, and each of us will award a game of the month. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 82 more episodes headed your way. The next one being our picks for games you can buy at Target. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Mm